So yeah, I can be a pilot. At the Air Force Academy, I can be anything. Army and Navy, play for second. That's a long, big, beautiful blue line. You have some grit, you have some perseverance. I'll tell you what, you can do it now all areas of life. That's just the way you gotta compete. Welcome to Thin Air. What's going on, everybody? It's the Fasting Below Average Podcast. My name is Kamish, and I've got my boy Archie on the line. What's up, Arch? Not much. How we doing? Uh, doing well-ish. Um, not great news today coming out of the Academy, but also there has been some great news over the last week. So I don't know exactly know how to feel about our alma mater. And when I say alma mater, I kind of want to take a second and emphasize that because we've been asked a weird amount of times if we are actually cadets or if we're actually graduates. And yes, we are graduates. And the reason why I want to reiterate that is because why would we not be? Like, what... What kind of person would sit there? Well, you said this in episodes like last year. What kind of person would get that in the weeds about the Air Force Academy, learn everything to the point that they could make fun of it and make jokes <laughs> about it? For what gain? I don't like know. Like we said in last week's episode, we don't we don't run a good business model. We're not like making bank or anything. So why would we do that? I don't know. Some of the people that do follow us though that are like ROTC or specifically JROTC seem to know more about the academy than we do so maybe they were just academy hopefuls that didn't get in or and are trying to live vicariously so you never know I'm sure there's someone out there I'm sure there's multiple people out there that know much more about the academy than we do and they didn't even go there yeah but they probably know the specifics they don't they don't know the the little ins and outs like uh you know what combinations of meals go best together at Mitch's and the best way to skip mandatory briefings and all that. Those are the intangibles that you can't teach. Yeah. Or what time HAPS opens. Yeah. Things like that. So, um, but I, like I said, I want to start out with a little bit of good news and actually you got kind of gave us the rundown today, so I should let you give the lead to this, but big news Austin Cutting getting drafted from the Air Force Academy to the number 250th pick in the draft. Seventh round going to the Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, I don't, and just being completely transparent, I don't know that you did either. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was not the name of any of them that I anticipated seeing on draft day being picked up. But any time an Air Force Academy grad does get picked up, especially in the NFL draft, that's that's awesome. I mean, that steps in the right direction. Um, he got to fulfill a dream, even if it's just getting drafted, that a lot of previous guys kind of got uh, taken out from under them at the last second. So uh, something I actually had questions for you about. I don't know if you did any more in-depth research, but I'm not entirely sure what his requirements are and what his commitments are. Uh, but either way, getting drafted, getting the academy's name out there, um, to a, a pretty good, pretty damn good football team is is impressive and really happy for him. Yeah, so uh, I do kind of know the answer. So first and foremost, there was some questions from uh, Vikings fans, like why did we pick up a long snapper uh, in the draft? I mean, 
I think there's been set there's only been seven long snappers that have even been drafted since something like 2005. So uh, to answer that question, there is a cap space issue. I guess the long snapper that they have right now in Minnesota, they would need to they would be over on their cap space. So them bringing him in is beneficial for them. Um, and the, by no means does that take away from Austin Cutting's achievements or the fact that he was drafted. Um, and actually three of those long snappers that have been drafted came from service academies. So Joe Cardona as well, and then I don't remember who the other one was. Uh, but that just, I think it goes to show something that there's something about that about service academies that NFL teams want, um, even if it's in a position like long snapper. Uh, and definitely, I mean, he was recruited out of high school. He was actually an offensive lineman, and he was recruited by Houston Baptist, I believe, as well, and Air Force. And so for him to develop over these years and kind of hone in on his craft and learn a new position is really impressive. But to get back to your question about what he's going to do um, and what his requirements are, I think it's still up in the air. So General Mattis reversed the ruling that said that athletes can go straight to the NFL draft or they can go play in the NFL if they get picked up. And that was obviously on the day of the draft when Jalen Robinette was supposed to go in 2017. And we had took huge issues with that. Uh, nothing against General Mattis necessarily, but the issue was Jalen, for the entire time after the football season, was driving up to Denver multiple times a week. He had an agent, uh, and he was driving up to Denver to do workouts and to prepare, to prepare himself. He went to different pro days. He went to the combine, all that stuff. He was predicted to go the fourth or fifth round, and all of that was snatched away in an instant by somebody who has – a lifetime of experience is extremely respected in the military world. Uh, and I mean, did, did a fine job as a secretary of defense, but ultimately really had no understanding fundamentally of what it takes to become an NFL caliber athlete. And I think that that's where some of the issue came in. So what's going on right now? And, and really Jalen even said happily that he was, he was happy to serve and no one has had an issue with, with the service aspect. No one's trying to get out of their commitment, but I think that they deserve and they want a clear-cut answer, and that's not what Austin Cutting is getting right now. He said he's an acquisitions officer, um, first and foremost, and he's happy to do it, but I think he just wants to know as well. And so it comes down to some of the high-profile visibility of the fact that he's an NFL draft pick. That is something that everybody can kind of see, and so I think they want the military's blessing on it because you still have – don't get this wrong at all. There are athletes who play, but they play kind of under under the radar, if you will, of of that discussion about military athletes. Uh, for example, Garrett Griffin was picked up as an undrafted free agent, and he's been allowed to play basically in this weird limbo zone. We had uh, 2004 Air Force or 2014 Air Force Academy graduate Tommy McKee who played in the NLL when he was stationed at McConnell Air Force Base, and so it's possible. But it's a huge visibility thing. So I think whatever decision happens is going to set the precedent for at least the next few years, hopefully, uh, for service academy athletes. Yeah, and hopefully... That was a lot of talking. I apologize. <laughs> what do you got? I fell asleep, so you need to fill me in. But um, yeah. hopefully the decision they do make is one that makes the most sense. And obviously, we've talked about this before, but there's the academy, there's the military hardos that believe that maybe there shouldn't even be sported, sports... Um, at the academy itself, and it's a, it's a no-brainer that they should have to serve before they play. 
Um, obviously, we understand that argument while we don't agree with it. We've talked about reasons why on that. Then you have the other side where, to me, honestly, it's it's you got to think about what type of environment we're living in right now. So um, thankfully, obviously, there's tensions in different parts of the country, but thankfully, we're not in a situation like Vietnam or World War II or anything where, you know, we need officers out there flying as soon as possible because uh, of a crisis. And we've, we've, you know, there's the fighter pilot shortage and all that good stuff. But the fact of the matter is, if Austin does not go play for the Vikings, he is already have his, he already has his AFSC of being an acquisitions officer. And this is not by any means a knock on acquisitions officers. Obviously, every job in AFSC has plays its role. But I just think the vast majority of people would believe that Austin going, doing basically the, the Ben Garland route where he serves in the, in the reserves during the offseason, and then he plays for the Vikings during the, during the season, him doing that is going to give the Air Force more positive exposure and be more of a benefit for the Air Force overall than him just going and working at a desk for two years before having the opportunity to play and ultimately probably uh, have a good chance of missing that opportunity to play because he kind of gave up those two years. So it's one of those things where like, yeah, all right, if we're in a time of war and it is like every officer at the academy is getting pumped out to go be a fighter pilot, we're talking a little bit of a different stance here. But um, if he just has the opportunity to go play football and then honestly be like a glorified public affairs guy uh, in the offseason, I think we can all agree by if you do it the right way, working with the USO like Ben Garland does, working with those different organizations, going to places um, overseas during the offseason with other members of your football team and providing a little bit of a positive encouragement for those people that are deployed. I personally think that's going to be way more beneficial than just being another plug-and-play acquisitions officer that wherever he ends up serving. And I don't mean to say that in a way that's degrading to acquisitions officers, but I think for all the reasons I just talked about, being able to play would be more beneficial for the Air Force overall while still doing his part in the offseason. Yeah, and I I mean, I agree with that. And I also think that the military has, they kind of want it both ways in terms of they want their, they want to have their educated officers serving, but at the same time, they want that representation in sports. And an example of that is the world-class athlete program, which based on what they've done with, NFL draftees and signees is it's kind of a sham in a lot of ways. And that's not a knock on the, the athletes in the program. It's a knock on the way that the military looks at it. The world-class athlete program is a way to accomplish all those things, the public, the public affairs piece and, you know, development of officers and that kind of thing. But basically what they're saying is, is, well, it's okay as long as that stage is only the Olympic stage. And it goes back to like Griffin Jacks. The reason why Griffin Jacks, who was drafted in 2016 and didn't graduate until the next year, he Griffin. was able to. No, Griffin Jacks, the baseball. Oh, player. oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. So Griffin Jacks, he was he was drafted in 2016 and and didn't graduate until 2017, and it looked like he wasn't going to be able to play right away, but he has been able to because he's under the world class athlete program. Good for him. It's a loophole, but his I would imagine his goal is the MLB, not just the Olympic team. And so that's where it kind of comes to the issue is that, okay, so we're saying that graduates can't go to the NFL just because it's not an Olympic sport. I mean, that's that's ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah. And so um, yeah, you're right. I think Especially... that's really where they're 
Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you got it. No, they're just they're just being really contradictory in exactly what what the point of all of this is. So I think I would like it, and I think the athletes would like it if they would at least come out and and give some clarity to it. And really, once again, if people are looking, the only the only argument to this is that that people would be saying that these guys are trying to get out of their commitment. They're not at all, in my opinion, from everybody that I've talked to, from everybody that I've known. No one's trying to get out of their commitment. If they would have done that when they were showing promise that they were going to be able to make it to the league, they would have left and gone to another school prior to their junior year. That's what happened to a kid at Navy. He left after his sophomore year and went to go play at Notre Dame. And maybe he, it's because he thinks he's going to go to the NFL. Maybe it's just that Navy wasn't for him. But Jalen Robinette was a standout player as a freshman. He played extremely well as a sophomore, and he probably could have transferred to any other Mountain West school possibly some power five schools uh, to try and make that NFL dream a reality. But he liked what he was doing at the air force Academy. He was doing extremely well. And I think he had no problems with service, Yeah. but it's one of those things where if you're going to tell us that we can do something, don't change your mind the day of the draft. It's, it's just too pointed. And in my opinion, it makes the military look bad. Yeah. Just, I mean, just as you were saying, I could cadets are excited and ready to go serve by the time they graduate. Like, you spend four years, sometimes five, of your prep schooler just really waiting for graduation day and be able to go out, you know, be a second lieutenant and actually do things that are to be contributing towards the Air Force no matter what job you have and finally get away from the academy kind of uh, stigma. And, yeah, just like you said, p- plenty of people leave before junior year starts for the exact same reasons. They just don't think it's for them or they want to move on and do something else. And these kids... St- specifically do not do that and there's a reason why they don't make that decision it's, and it's because they are they're ready and willing to serve but i think there's a way that they can serve in conjunction with playing the game that they love and playing a game that's going to be is the most popular sport in america so there's only going to be good popular or good uh representation there as long as they they carry their themselves the way they the way they should and they will yeah but the kind of little tag that I will, the asterisk I will put on this is we're just a couple dudes. We don't know what we're talking about. So anyway, let's move on to <laughs> Air Force Lacrosse. Um, Air Force Lacrosse is going to the SoCon, and we're not we're not giving up or not talking about the any of the other teams. We talked about it last week with Air Force Women's Tennis. Uh, they fell in a heartbreak loss to. San Diego State, but they still had a historic season, and that's not the last that we're going to see of them. The star players on the team, Ashley Harvey, TJ Fumagalli. Is it, it might, I was looking at it, and I don't know if she's like Italian, but Fumagalli, like Fumagalli sounds Fumagalli. a little more. Fumagalli. Think about Tony Soprano. So. Uh, yeah, we got to ask her. I don't know. Here, I'm actually live. I'm going to send her a message right now. Does she follow us? I don't know, but uh, I'll, I'll start covering some Air Force Lacrosse while you do that. Right, so, yeah, Air Force Lacrosse beat Bellarmine this past weekend 13-6. Bellarmine, not a very strong team, but still a conference team, so every every win in the conference counts. And that uh, pushed Air Force to ultimately have the second overall seed um, for the SOCON tournament. Um, the number one seed... I believe is high points. So Air Force is going to be playing yeah, Richmond are. this Thursday. 
Uh, we beat the Spiders previously this year, but Richmond's really not a bad team at all. So this Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. So I'm assuming that's just going to be inside the ESPN app if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, we win, the, we win the SoCon tournament and we're into the, the big tournament in May. So always exciting to see the Academy, uh, no matter what sport it is, kind of make good strides there. So um, yeah. Lacrosse team doing pretty well. Eight, ten and four record overall, six and one in the league itself. Only lost, only loss in the conference being to High Point, which ended up being obviously the number one seed there. Um, so we'll see how they do, and hopefully uh, we can pull out the win Thursday, and then have a chance to compete to make it into the the overall tournament this May. Yeah. So I just uh, I. I just found TJ, and we had to uh, request to follow her to send her a message. So if she resp- if she f- lets us follow her, and then we can send her a message before this podcast is over, we'll get clarification on how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> I have a question about lacrosse, though. Uh, are you not bored with the results, and do you not have a problem with the conference that we're in? Because here's why. So... We've been in the SoCon now for what, four years? Almost this is five our, years. This is our fourth. Okay, so this is our fourth year. Every year, it seems like we play, and it's kind of—it's actually, I think, the talent of the out of conference teams that we've played has gotten a little bit better. But this year, we have losses against Utah, who's a new a new program. Be on the lookout for them to uh, really grow. I think Utah is becoming a weird hotbed for lacrosse. You have like Salt Lake City and stuff. A lot of kids um, who might be starting to pick up out there, and then Utah is probably like a fun school. It kind of brings in that that crowd pretty easily. Um, and then we also lost to Denver and Yale, and then High Point. High Point is another team who has, I think, seen a lot of success because it's easy for them to recruit. Because if you've been to High Point, it's a beautiful campus. They like focus Disney a World lot for college kids. Yeah, they have a steakhouse that you can literally go to and swipe your card or whatever, if you're on their meal plans, it's out. free ice cream so, when you're walking class to class. But then again, you could argue Mitch's has that too. So, Well, it's frozen non-dairy dessert. But the reason why <laughs> I ask that is so the rest of our teams, we absolutely blow through Detroit Mercy, Mercer, Jacksonville, all these schools. The only schools that really give us much of a challenge is Richmond and High Point as of this year because High Point was ranked number 14 when we played them. And then what happens is, is we always have a good shot at winning the SoCon, and that's nice. Everybody gets their rings. And then we go to the NCAA playoffs, and when we make it into the tournament from that berth, and we've lost to, in the last, since we've been in the SoCon, we've gone three times to the tournament, lost to uh, Duke, Notre Dame, and Denver, all in the first rounds. And so I want us to have a, potentially a more competitive schedule and maybe get that monkey off our back, if you will, and make it out of that first round. And one conference that I was looking at was the Patriot League, who right now has Lafayette, who is winless in the conference. Let's do a one-for-one trade. Give Lafayette over to the SoCon, <laughs> and we'll go to the Patriot League. Uh, Lafayette, I mean, the, the Patriot League is like, all those teams in the Patriot League um, really... Like, literally every single sport they play, they're all in the Patriot League. And they're all the same exact school. You just put in a different mascot and different colors, with the exception of Army and Navy for lacrosse. I think they're in the Patriot League now, although they used to be mm-hmm. independent. Um, so <laughs> I, I like the idea. However, 
I'm happy with the conference we're in because until we start having consistent wins against those outside of conference opponents that we play, like Denver and Yale, uh, it's really our best bet to make the tournament is going to be to win the SoCon. And then, um, obviously, whoever, whoever wins each tournament is an automatic qualifier to make it into the, the big tournament. So I like, the tor- I like the conference we're in. It makes the most sense with our geography, even though there's only three teams west of the Mississippi um, in D- Division One lacrosse. So for what we have right now, I'm happy with it. Once we start seeing more consistent wins against the top 10, top 20 teams outside the conference, then I think it's time to start maybe um, trying to trying to make it into a different different conference that makes more sense. Or maybe the sport continues to grow a little bit more and maybe we establish some type of Mountain West type division. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's fair. But so then my question to you is what is it going to take to get to the next level to where we're actually giving Yale, Duke, Denver, and Notre Dame a real game? That's a yeah, that's a good question because I mean, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, the team has made serious progress in the past five or six years. I mean, it was rare that that Air Force would uh, would even make the conference tournament. And if you look at the last five years, aside from a little bit of a down year last year due to some issues with the coaching staff, um, it's been pretty consistent that Air Force finishes the year you know, either in the top 20 or just outside the top 20 and always finishing in the top one or two spots in the Southern Conference. So obviously we're doing something right. Um, I still think, and if you kind of look at it, um, back in the early 2000s, Army and Navy were pretty damn good at lacrosse. And Navy actually made the Final Four in one of those years. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, And I think for whatever reason... Uh, the way, you know, the further and further we get away from the, that time period, uh, kids aren't necessarily choosing the academy as preferably like they used to. And I think this goes for all the sports that don't have promising professional professional careers. Um, it shouldn't be that big of a factor, right? So, you know, you don't really go play lacrosse in college with the intent of necessarily going pro and making it a living. So to me, that should yeah. make it easier to recruit to the academy, to the academies, and I think that's why there was a lot of success for Army and Navy in the early early uh, millennium kind of time period. But I don't know for whatever reason, maybe it's because there's more and more teams. You know, I mean, there's probably been 20 Division One teams added since then, and now there's more options for kids to go to cl- closer to home and and bigger schools where they just, you know, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the lacrosse population is is kind of upper class as it is so it's not like they're looking for necess- not like they're looking or necessarily need a free ride to whatever school they're going to so maybe they're just choosing to stay closer to home uh, go to a bigger school that just got lacrosse and kind of see how that works because they might not be as worried about getting that scholarship but that's just kind of going off the cuff no um you're 100 right and the most outspoken coach at the academy uh coach Saratore he once said about this about recruiting um, and, and hockey has a lot of similar, and I mean, it might seem a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a faux pas for us to say that lacrosse is an upper-class sport. But if you look at the hotbed schools, like the best schools in the country are all extremely expensive um, prep schools for the most part and extremely expensive private schools, whether it be Georgetown prep, boys, Latin, um, Gonzaga, like DeMatha, all those schools in the DC Dillman. area. And then if you go yeah. up North, you have like Lawrenceville and uh, like Choate, Rosemary Hall, 
like all Mallard those kinds Prep, of schools, LaSalle. like Tabor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's the same thing kind of with hockey to where it's expensive sports. So you're getting, so the best players tend to have parents who can afford a lot of, a lot of ice time and equipment and traveling and all that kind of stuff. And coach territory, what he said was I, the first thing I ask when I'm going to recruit a player is how big their garage is. And he says, if a guy says that he has three car, a three car garage, we're not getting them two car, maybe one car. <laughs> those are the guys that we're going to be able to get. And it just brought up a really good point. If you are a lacrosse player, why wouldn't you want to go to Michigan? Why wouldn't you want to go to Ohio state? Why wouldn't you want to go to these big party schools that are just a lot of fun to be at? And so I think that it is, it, it is a special kind of person who needs to come to the Academy, who is willing to come to the Academy. Um, but for somehow we've been able to do it. And, uh, I don't know. I wish him the best, but I just, I mean, it's like, it's definitely very greedy of me to say that I want us, I, I expect more out of us than just winning the SOCON, but I would love to see him get over it up into the second round and potentially maybe one day in the future play on Memorial Day weekend in the championship. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But for now, we still have uh, postseason lacrosse to watch, so uh, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next thing we wanted to talk about, and we gave him a shout out, people might be wondering why I'm, why we post so much about Tom Whitney, because he's, well, we, I mean, we post about grads, I think we give everybody kind of their, their share of shout outs and that kind of thing, but I'm a huge golf nerd. I absolutely love golf. I love all things professional golf playing myself and Tom Whitney is a 2010 grad, and I can't stress enough how good he is. He won, so he graduated in 2010 and went and got stationed at F.E. Warren as a missile leader. I mean, we have buddies who are missile leaders, and we know exactly what that life is like. You're on alert for 24 hours. You have a travel day. Then you have an off day. You're living in places that are freezing cold. You don't have a lot of opportunity to really practice and hone your game in. And still... Um, Tom Whitney during that time was playing on the armed forces team and for the air force team, he was winning, uh, military championships by 29 strokes. Imagine showing up and just getting thrashed like that. That's ridiculous. So he was able, yeah, he was able to do that. Um, and meanwhile, comparatively, what happens is when most, when most guys who have a really successful college career graduate college, or if they leave college to, to go pro younger, They'll go to places like Texas, um, in California and Florida, and they will basically practice um, with coaches at facilities that are all year round, and they'll have equipment contracts, and they'll basically just have nothing stopping them from getting their game to absolutely perfect, and then they're ready to go out and try to compete and get on the PGA Tour. So Tom Whitney had to delay that until his commitment was up, and ultimately he was able to moved down to Texas and get his game kind of in good shape. And he played on the PGA Tour Latino America. So in the order of merit, when it comes to tours, you have the PGA Tour, which is the top realm. Uh, then below that is the web.com tour. And then kind of below that, you have a smattering of tours like the McKenzie Tour up in Canada and the PGA Tour uh, Latino America, which give players an opportunity to, to kind of work their way up. So Tom started out on the PGA Tour Latino America, and then he moved up to the web.com. He did not win anything, but he finished high enough on the order of merit to work his way up to the web.com. He's played a couple of pro events, and as of this year, uh, just wasn't quite there. 
and moved back down to the, to the PGA Tour Latino America, and now he has finally won. And right now he's number one on the money list on that tour, which is a good sign that he'll be able to hopefully move back up to the web.com at the end of the season, which finishes up in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, uh, in early May. And so huge shout-out to him. It was actually crazy, too, because it's so important mentally in golf to know how to win, uh, especially on the Pro Tour. And so you'll have a lot of – there's really different strategies and there's different ways to do it. A lot of times you'll see guys go wire to wire where they'll start out on the first round and just play really well through the fourth. And Tom played okay in the first few rounds, but he shot a scorching 64, seven under par on Sunday um, and was able to secure the clubhouse lead. And then he just had to sit there and actually wait. So he, the, the way they do it is the guys who have the lowest scores go out last on the weekend. And Tom uh, was able to get the clubhouse lead and had to wait to see if he would get tied up. And uh, on the 18th hole, there was a guy who was one back from him and was not able to sink the putt to tie. So it was a crazy video. We shared the video of him finding out, and I can only imagine what that's like. It's it's definitely a life-changing moment because you've officially arrived. You've learned how to win. It was his first win since 2017. Uh, which was on the PGA Utah section, so that's smaller. So this is his best win to date, and it's just really, really cool. And it, it goes to show, like I said, beating guys t- by 29 strokes in a tournament, and then you come out and you're winning by razor-thin margins. It just shows how good he really is and how good these guys are that he's competing with. Yeah, it's awesome. Hopefully keep racking up those wins and end up in the majors. That was called the yeah. majors. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a ways off from the majors. He has played in a PGA tournament. He played in the Byron Nelson a couple years back, and unfortunately he missed the cut. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll see him back up there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Right, what do we got next? We got uh, a little bit of doom and gloom news. So, as all of you probably have known by now, um, the Commandant is essentially, as far as we know right now, and this, this really only came out today, but... Um, has been relieved of her duty. I believe it was by the soup. I think that's really the only person that can do that. And that's really the extent of the information we know. We're not going to pry and prod by any means and try and speculate what what happened or what's going on there. But um, obviously not uh, the best representation of of the Academy right now. But then again, like I said, we don't know the facts. So uh, we're going to wait, obviously, wait until uh, something's officially released uh, at the end of the day. Obviously, um, General Goodwin, obviously a very high-ranking officer, has done a lot of great things in her career. So uh, we're just going to wait, but figure we would at least inform anybody out there that has not heard the news. Do you have anything additionally to add there? Um, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate on anything until everything comes out. It's a huge blow. I It's a blow to... It's a blow to us as graduates. It's a blow to the cadet wing, and it just sucks. But there's kind of two trains of thought. Number one is that it doesn't matter what rank you are. It doesn't matter what position you hold. You are a human being, and that's what I think people need to remember. Because once, I mean, I know I always had this kind of thought process that once somebody has stars on their shoulder, they've got everything all figured out, and that's certainly not the case. But at the same time, uh, even if it is somebody that you look up to, you know, they're, they're going to make mistakes and 
you can't let it get you down. You can't let it be a representation of what we are as an academy and what we are as graduates and that kind of thing. So that was just really like, it's it's disappointing. I mean, not to sound like a mom here, but it's like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed is what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's negative, anything that puts negative light on the academy is definitely not um, not favorable and it sucks to see. But hopefully, hopefully we can move on and and uh, obviously find somebody to fill the void and i'm sure they will um and better news and kind of along the same lines there is i believe the new dean of faculty has been announced so colonel lanelle latendre is that how you say your name latendra um, i think you know a little bit more about her background than i do but ultimately i think she's been a law professor there for i think between 04 and 07 um her background is law she was a jag and um obviously has the background that they feel is is suited to be the dean and i think i think a law background is probably pretty pretty fitting to work academics i don't think you need to be some crazed war hero to really be able to be able to run a tight ship for, for how the academic system is going to work um but obviously she has a very extensive and impressive background to be able to even get get considered and obviously be selected yeah, before I go on to this, um, I just want to let you know that I tried DMing. So TJ Fumagalli uh, accepted our follow request. Cannot DM her. So I put a comment <laughs> on her most recent picture. And I said, how do you pronounce her name? We tried DMing you, but it won't work. And we're recording a podcast and we're debating it. So she's probably going to think we're the weirdest dudes in the world. Um, or maybe she'll have fun with it. I we have no really idea know, who she is. But so regardless. don't know how she'll react. I know who she is. She's an well, awesome I tennis player. Personally. She was a uh... Yeah, I know. But she was a five-star recruit out of Texas. Uh, I think New Braunfels area. And she turned down offers from Nebraska and K-State and New Mexico to go to Air Force. So she's cool in my book. Let's see. Does she respond? Nope. False alarm. I'm going to probably be doing that for the rest of the <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah. So, but Colonel Latendra, she is, she does come from a law background um, and just, I've, I've met her a couple times. I would doubt she would know who, uh, we were, but, um, very, very smart woman. Um, she was at Scott Air Force Base before. I can't remember if she was the wing, uh, head jagger, if she actually worked with, uh, Air Mobility Command, but it's cool. And I think that having somebody like that and not trying to like generalize necessarily, but having a law background, I think you are pretty good with critical thinking. And I know we are a STEM school at our core, but hopefully she's the kind of person who, you know, is, is, is good enough with critical thought that she can surround herself with other smart people that can help grow the academic department um, in the ways that we want to see. I mean, I can't speak too much on it we've said this a million times we're not big academic guys not that we're not into it um i read a book like a while ago so did you um but i mean i just think that it's a good thing and she has really big shoes to fill i know that everybody loves uh general armacost and it's sad for everybody to see him go but um i think she'll be great and i think that she'll do a good job at the academy, and I think that she has the background to really set her up for it. So good for her. I'm always finishing on a positive note. Yeah. Well, and we have another positive note about talking about this weekend, but 
What's this weekend? This past weekend. With oh yeah, we're gonna do a little do a little Game of Thrones recap. So, um, official spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen the latest episode. Um, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, that's fine too. Just listen in, and, and maybe you'll you'll recognize some of the names we're saying, even though I, I don't even remember half of them myself. So how are we gonna do this? Uh, well, everybody knows what happened. Actually, Twitter was ablaze. Our Twitter was, and I like making fun of it a little bit because I think that people super overblow Agreed. it. It's very good, but what what makes it, I think, really good is that everybody watches it. That's it. Everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be a part of something. That's why I started. I think watching that's kind of true. Like, it was just I a think random you show could on plug Netflix. and play random shows that like are good and have have cliffhangers. And if you just got everybody on board, like, hey, we're all going to watch this show, it would make it way more fun. There's a show on Netflix called The OA, and it is a mind bender. It is like the craziest show, but no one watches it, so it gets no hype, and I don't get that excited. They just came out with a, se- a second season, and it was so good, but no one watches it so i'm not as excited for it as i am with game of thrones and they do so much stuff like they have all the special edition beers and whiskeys and stuff they're doing one now that uh johnny walker that the bottle turns blue which you know it would have been so sick actually this is so dumb of me but it would have been amazing is if right when Arya stabbed the night king if they had some kind of sensor and every bottle of that blue blue bottle of white walker whiskey if they all just exploded <laughs> in people's freezers and stuff it's what a so missed cool. opportunity for their marketing <laughs> marketing crew i know i feel like now if you have one you gotta at least go out and smash it on the pavement or something like that this is gonna be so embarrassing if tj doesn't respond wow. seriously i don't know what to tell you tj respond to we know us. you're listening live uh I hope she thinks this is funny, at least, because if not, it's going to come off as weird, and I don't know. Uh, I'm getting really self-conscious, but actually, I've seen a few things, and this is, I'm also getting kind of self-conscious about talking about Game of Thrones, because I've already seen analysis from, like, army guys talking about the battle plan and how it was really, really bad and all this stuff, and I was looking at it, and I was like, those dragons are, look like they're doing pretty good, just dropping some close air support. Oh, there were There were so many... Um, nerdy Air Force references made when I was watching it the other day. It's the same thing. It's like a little bit of close air support action. We had uh, the one guy with the torches doing the hey stupid, hey stupid when he was trying to get uh, Daenerys' attention with the torches. Um, what else was there? Yeah. There's some basic there's some Aria, basic fighter maneuver between moved, the two that's... dragons. That yeah, was good. Yeah. Arya's stabbing, that was textbook uc2 <laughs> i think we learned that in the, you know? the very last day of class yeah yeah a lot of you probably weren't there for that or maybe it was only taught in our years they got rid of it but yeah that was textbook the knife drop um was pretty big i don't i'm a big fan of cersei who is currently hiding during the briefing um or no i guess this would be more like a comms weekend <laughs> kind of thing it's going on, and Cersei's like, yeah, I'm going to... She's right now, she's, like, locked in her room drinking uh, Shamrock Farms milk and watching The Office. <laughs> and uh, the Hound was, like, the kid in the group group project that, like, tried to... He knows he has nothing to help with, 
but he was trying to help, and then he started to give up, and the other group member points over at Arya, who's the kid who's doing everything in the group project, and was like, tell them that you want to, tell her you want to give up, even though she was, like, doing the entire project. She's like, oh, all right, fine, I'll try and Google, I'll try and do this derivative for the 18th time, and it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, and I, I heard so much about brand too. There's so many things that like you said, plug and play, like just fill in the blanks as to what you can make a reference to. I said on Twitter that Bran was just sitting there when the Night King came up, he looked like a kid on the <laughs> intramural field who got into the Academy because he was a top cadet in Civil Air Patrol. But he also kind of looked like when he just had his eyes rolled back and he knew what was going to happen and everything, but no one else knew. He's kind of like when you're in a when you're in like a physics class with an aero major and they're and you're doing the group project and they won't help you even though they know everything. <laughs> it was sort of like that too. Uh, there were so many other good like um, what's the what's the guy's name that loves um, Daenerys and he died? Jamie Lannister? Oh no. Daenerys, uh, the chick, the the queen, the dragon chick. What's her name? Daenerys. Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Who's Daenerys? It's her. It's the same thing. Oh, okay. So who's the guy that's obsessed with Khaleesi? Jon Snow. No, the guy who like is not not one of her lovers, but he's like done everything for her, and he died. Uh, Come on, Frodo. all all the listeners out there are freaking out right now. You know who I'm talking uh, about? Guys, the old if, guy. If if you're annoyed with this uh, talk, we've got another two hours where we talk about the Avengers. Um, I, no, I don't know. I only know yes, the main Yes, you do. Characters. He like started to turn into a rock guy at some point, and then he came back. He wasn't made the hand of the queen, even though he should have been. Khaleesi All right, what about him? Guy. <laughs> I'm Googling Khaleesi guy. Uh Where's this guy? This episode's going off the rails. Well, everybody else knows who I'm talking about. Long story short, um, he's obsessed with her. Oh, Jorah. Jorah. Jorah Mormont. Wouldn't have known that. Uh, Anyway, so Jorah dies trying to defend Khaleesi. He's been, like, obsessed with her the entire series. It's kind of like a guy that's obsessed with a girl cadet and she just completely uses him and he's in a friend zone and he doesn't know it. And then she gets a, a another cadet boyfriend and he's just like, that's when he dies. That's my comparison on that. So that was my 30-minute explanation for basically when you get friend zoned by a cadet girl because she goes out with another cadet guy. Do All like that of one? that for that. <laughs> yeah for the sake of the fact that we we went over it for like three minutes sure i'll give you that thanks that was good uh man we were not as prepared for this as i thought we would be uh i will say too the first 45 minutes where it was almost in sheer darkness that was a lot like when you're when you get everybody together and you're all excited to watch the air force game and then you find out that it's on some random app on like that's a plug-in for facebook and you try to pull it up and it's just not working so everybody's staring at a black screen. Um, that was what that was. Yeah, that was, like. dude. I that was brutal. But oh, uh, when, yeah. But when, I don't know. When winter I, finally came, that was like every winter at the academy. It's just like, wow, this is terrible. Yes. Like there's wind and snow. Mm-hmm. 
And I was never a, a Stan Eval guy, but I was always a little envious of them because they got out of Sammy's to go grade other people. And I kind of feel like Stanley from The Office, like, you mean I get out of a Sammy and I get to go judge people? That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. Um, and But that side of me wondered, who's going to clean up the battlefield? Because when winter's over, it's going to all thaw out and it's going to smell terrible. Yeah, that's gross. So I wondered that too. Yeah, that's gross. Did they just kind of leave it? Um, maybe you just keep burning it with the dragon, but there's only one dragon left, right? Uh, I think so. Here was my other question. Um, when the Night King rose his hands up and everybody, like, all the dead people rose, when they were down in the crypt with, like, Sansa and um, Tyrion and all those guys... Were the people that were breaking into the crypt, were those the dead bodies that were already in there? What do you mean already in there? Because you know what a crypt yeah, is? Yeah. A crypt is like a grave. No, no, they were so breaking through the walls. was that the dead walls. bodies that were already in there? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, what I thought it was is that they were dead bodies that the Night King was able to rise up, and I was like, if that's what happened, oh, that's... first of all, then since yeah. that didn't happen, that would... That would have been really cool, but that would have been something that's, like, they really overlooked. Well, yeah, if he could raise any dead person ever from the grave, I think they'd be screwed. Yeah, precisely. Um, just checking in again, TJ has still... I'm deleting the comment, by the way. What the... No, she you gotta answer. commit to it. It's already on the podcast. Somebody's gonna tell her. Alright, well, can someone tell her? Can someone who's listening to this please respond and tell us? <laughs> I really hope it's full majority. <laughs> the very difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I I uh, also wonder how many people have already tuned out, and we can say whatever we want. Um, like, because because I do realize that people are probably getting tired of Game of Thrones, and you are coming to the worst people ever if you want an intelligent discussion on it. Yeah, so let's try I, it out. Let's say something. Like I'm gonna say like, ooh, I even though one. we say we love chicken tenders, they're actually overrated. Like, if we say that and people are listening, then... Okay, if you're listening to this, the first person to send us a DM saying, uh, what should they say? And I'll, we'll send them some free stuff. Tell us how to pronounce TJ Fumagelli. <laughs> Alright, yeah. First person to send us how to pronounce TJ Fumagelli, um, we will send you a free t-shirt of your choice. You gotta be the first one, though, and we'll be honest on it. Okay. All right, that's fair to me. Uh, <laughs> did you have any other Game of Thrones talk? I'm excited to see what happens for the rest of it. No, I have no more Game of Thrones talk. I don't even like I said. I've seen every episode and I'm still lost. Like I don't know who's who. It's I can't even keep up with it. So I'm kind of ready for the series to be over in a way because I want people to stop talking about it. But here we are talking about it. So it has that effect on people. All right, well, let's do our final thing that we always do, and that is minutes. You want to give us the minutes? FastNeatBelowAverage.com, FastNeatBelowAVG.com. Um, just go check it out, get some good stuff. We'll probably throw a promo code out there soon as summer approaches. Hopefully get some more good products up there, but uh, there's some awesome koozies and flags and, and patches for you flight suit wearers even you non-flight suit wearers there's probably somewhere on the ocps to put a pen tab patch and yeah just yeah. get after it or just on your forehead <laughs> yeah or just yeah use it as a tattoo design whatever yeah 
Cool. Sounds good. Um, and that is really all we've got for this week, and we will talk to you later. Later. So, yeah, I can be a pilot. At the Air Force Academy, I can be anything. Army and Navy, play for second. That's a long, big, beautiful blue line. You have some grit. You have some perseverance. I'll tell you what, you can do all areas of life. That's just the way you got to compete. Welcome to Thin Air. Touch it, touch it.